exciting as this. With the 11th pick in the 2021 NFL Draft, the My Chicago Bears select Justin Fields, quarterback, Ohio State. Welcome back to the Irish Bear Show. It's Wednesday night, Wednesday afternoon, Wednesday, whatever it is, no matter where you are in the world watching the Irish Bear Show. Um, as you can see, we seem to have multiplied. Uh, so I'm delighted that we have some guests here on Wednesday to talk about the game. Before we start, just so everyone's aware where we're talking about. So we had a bye last Sunday. Uh, we didn't play. So it's great to get back talking about Chicago Bear stuff. Uh, considering we didn't have a game last week, so it was always good to have a Sunday off. Uh, I'm welcomed today by with some pretty cool guests, if I'm honest. Uh, Gennett Davis, Alex Shapiro from the fantastic Undercenter podcast in NBC Chicago, and also from Brendan Chagru in uh, the Bear Down Report that does one of many things that Brendan does, um, and also obviously my my regular co-hosts in Karen and Noel. So welcome to everybody. Uh, first of all, anyone that's watching on any of our programs from Twitter to Instagram to Facebook to wherever you want to be. You want to jump over onto the Irish Bear Show uh, to watch it on YouTube. We've got some comments already coming in. That's that's quite entertaining. There's this is the fourth one we've received, which is Fire Pace and Nagy. So as you can see, that's the kind of conversation people are going to look towards. Um, Kenneth, I'm going to start with you actually. Um, so from from the game, obviously the game of the weekend against the people from up north. Um, what was the one takeaway that you would have? from the game on Sunday. Now, three days later, you've had a time to digest it. 
Um, they still don't have the ability right now where Justin Fields is in his offense to really go vertical and to consistently get chunk plays. And it hurts them when you go up against – you don't even have to go up against great offenses, but offenses that you can know can be productive. Um, it, it comes back to bite you. Um, so that I would say that uh, would be one thing to stick out. And then I have a hot take that I said to Alex on Monday's show that we continued on yesterday's show. I don't know if Alex heard yesterday's show, but, uh, yeah, that will be – uh, my first take from the Packers loss is the fact that we're moving along, but there's still some different levels that the Bears have to get to. And and Alex, I've kind of taken up on, on Kenneth's point about, can we look at positives from, from Sunday? Because the depression that was there Sunday night, um, even anyone, by the way, if anyone wants to get entertained, go back and watch the Irish Bears show on Sunday um, and just listen to the lads just absolutely rip it up. Um, I've been informed that Tony's Wi-Fi is getting fixed. Uh, just so everyone knows that. Um, but, yeah, it might take him a while, but it's okay. Um, Alex, everyone's kind of was so depressed about the game on Sunday and so negative, and there were so many comments looking at, at what 12 said to the crowd and all that kind of reactions. But I think there was some positives to be taken out of it, if we're being completely honest. And now three days later, looking back at it, from your perspective, was there any positive that you could see uh, from the game? Yeah, absolutely. I think there's plenty of positives. I think first and foremost... The Bears have really figured out that their identity is as a rushing football team, right? And they're going to run. They're going to run the ball first and foremost. And without David Montgomery, without Damian Williams, they were still able to accomplish that. Uh, Khalil Herbert looks like a great draft pick uh, as a late round draft pick. The offensive line, with help from wide receivers, with help from the tight ends, their run blocking is actually pretty excellent. And they've still been able to move the ball very consistently. Uh, with the run game. Now the next step is turning that into points. So that's one thing. And the other one is Justin Fields, while at at times he did not look great and looked like a rookie quarterback, at other times he looked incredible and made some incredible splashy special plays that many other quarterbacks can't make. You know, I think about on the very first drive, the uh, pass along the sideline on third down, it was third and short that he made it to Allen Robinson. They have that soft zone. He puts it right there. It goes for a chunk play. Or the ability to recognize we've got this post alert to Marquise Goodwin. He puts it up, no hesitation. It ends up being a pass interference. The Bears punch it in a couple plays later. Things like that, I think, are very encouraging. And, you know, kind of like Ken said earlier, yeah, I mean, they are still dealing with a rookie quarterback and there's going to be mistakes. And they absolutely still have a ways to go in terms of putting it all together to put a lot of points on the board for it to look like, you know, a more dynamic, cohesive offense. But you can see the foundation. And the guys, um, the guys when they talk, seem very confident that they are just like, they're really close to popping. They're, they're like, you know, they're right here. We just got to kind of get more chemistry. And that thing, stuff only comes with time. Um, and it comes with reps. And I, I think you can see the groundwork being laid that down the road, this, this could be a really good offense. Yeah, I think I think that's that's something that you mentioned the the first drive, and I think that was the one thing that I took out of the game personally, um, that was really encouraging. I think the way we we kind of freaked out the Packers a little bit, um, in that opening five or six minutes, Brendan on the on the defensive side of the ball, um, I think it was mentioned mentioned by I can't remember who it was online about the the sound and the noise that was in Soldier Field on Sunday, and that how it impacted the Packers at the very start. Um, from a defensive side of the ball, we've spoken with uh, Alex and, and Kenneth, both spoken about the kind of positives on the offensive side of the ball. From the defensive side of the ball, did you see some positives from that as well that we could take on forward? Absolutely. I mean, first off, the edge rushers 
were consistently still getting home. I mean, you could hear it on the first drive. And yeah, I can't remember who exactly said it on Twitter earlier, but actually it might have been Olin. I think Olin Krutz mentioned it, but how the noise and the sound really disrupted Rodgers and Khalil Mack was really able to just slide right through and take down Aaron Rodgers in one of the easiest sacks he's probably ever had because he just went down. He didn't want anything to do with that man. But also Robert Quinn continuing to, I mean, it's not even like a good start anymore. He's having a great season. We're almost halfway through. And so just continuing to see those guys really collapse the edges and make things difficult on the quarterbacks, I would say that's definitely a huge positive. The in, I know we're talking about positives here. The interior needs to get a little bit better, but it was nice to see Akeem Hicks back. And even though he was playing hurt, I mean, there were at times where he really made his presence known. I, I just keep looking at the clip where Aaron Jones just runs into a brick wall where Akeem Hicks is there and he really just makes his presence known. So there's definitely still positives. The front seven looks fantastic. Roquan Smith is just once again showing why he should be a Pro Bowl nominee probably all pro as well. He's once again, top five in so many statistical categories. So yes, there, and also real quick, you limited the Packers to 24 points and Aaron Rodgers, I believe through under 200 yards. That's not bad. And really, if you had a better offense, things are hopefully getting better, but that should be good enough to win. Yeah. And, and before I get into my, own personal thing about the fact the Bears can't score over 20 points but Karen I'll bring you in on this and, and Brendan makes a really good point that we, we kept the Packers 24 and on this show last week we spoke about it saying if we can keep the Packers under 24 points or 25 points I think we had said and um, we really should be winning the game at home if it wasn't against Green Bay Packers if this was against any other team if this is against Tampa Bay Buccaneers this weekend do we look at this game on Sunday in a different light do we actually look at that game and go do you know what there's progress that we could be making. And yeah, we've got a rookie QB who, who needs to develop and, and have rookie QB moments. But could we see the, the shoots that the lads have just spoken about? I want to say yes. I really do. Um, but again, it goes back to the same reason why I haven't picked the Bears to win the last two weeks. Because if you're an offense that doesn't score 20 points a game, you aren't going to be in games that you're not supposed to win. The Bears under Matt Nagy have always been a team that can beat the teams that they're supposed to beat. But then when it comes against a good team, that they don't have enough. And it's the same situation. Like some of the guys have said that there are some very good individual performances. I said it against the Raiders when we were looking at Damian Williams and Khalil Herbert. And I was texting you guys during it. And I was like, Khalil Herbert looks like he could overthrow Damian Williams to get more touches here. And you saw that in the second half. And I wasn't surprised that he had a very good game. You saw Darnell Mooney continue to have that bit of chemistry with Justin Fields. You saw Cole Komet get a little bit into the offense, which is fine. You have all these individuals making plays. The problem is it doesn't work together. That when we're talking about the overall offense, you can say everything you want about individual performances, how well is Justin Fields developing, all that sort of stuff. But at the end of the day, if you still don't score 20 points on offense, it doesn't really matter. Like, where are we going here? Like, we can, I know what you want to say in terms of if this isn't Green Bay, do we kind of freak out about it as much as we do? I, I don't think so. I think it's if it was flipped and if it was Tampa Bay and we lost that game close, I would still be saying the same thing this week that I don't think that we can beat, whether it be Green Bay or Tampa Bay next week, because problem is when you have to rely on the defense to win you a football game especially in the regular season tends to not work out that way 
you can you can use that in playoff football because they're usually a lot closer games and it is important to have a good defense to try and have you in it but for me the problem it, it comes back to and a lot of the guys have said it Olin has has said it so many times afterwards that there's different components of the offensive game plan and the offense that just doesn't work there's times when there's plays that are being called up that don't make sense in the particular time of when they're called in terms of you look at the isolated play, you're like, okay, it's fine. It can work, but it's when it gets called. And that's a big problem for me. And I hate this idea that the minute that there's a bad play call, everybody online rushes to say, Oh, Matt Nagy called that play. No, it's his offense. So it doesn't matter what play caller you have. It's still the dude's offense that has fired himself three times. So that's the biggest problem. Like until that gets fixed or you end up, let's say Matt Nagy didn't get fired and he got brought in, he would have to bring in an offensive coordinator that can kind of use his own, I guess, playbook because this isn't going to work. We've done the same thing all the time. It's like we keep saying, it's the definition of insanity, trying to do the same thing over and over and expect different results we have different players in the same positions now and it's still the same output. So at some point in time, if we're playing against a team that I don't think can score a lot of points, I'd be like, okay, the bears can win this game. But the minute we play against an offense that, you know, can score. No, like if a team goes up, let's say we in the Tampa game, if it's in the first quarter and Brady comes out and throws for two touchdowns and it's 14-0, does anybody have any confidence that the Bears can come back and win that football game? For me, I don't because I don't see enough firepower on the offense. And it's tough. It, it sucks to watch it because we've mentioned it. That there's the possibility that you can see improvements in the offense, but it's improvements from being the worst-ranked offense in the NFL. And that's the problem. Yeah, and I think I think you've hit the nail on the head. I really do. I, I think we've improved by probably two. <laughs> Kenneth's loving it. I think we've probably improved by two. Like we've we've gone from the the, the worst to the third worst. Um, I I think I I actually woke my child up on Sunday when I heard Nagy talking about we need to work out the why. Seriously, dude, stop. Just stop. I actually think he's trolling us at the moment because of some of the comments he makes like that. <laughs> it's just, it's just stop. <laughs> no, I like to, I like to, like, you're going to get me off and that Matt Nagy rant. I promise you I'm not going to do that, but you, you're going to get that close. Uh, no, I'll bring you, I'll bring you in on, on what basically what Cam brought up. I think it's a really good point. If you're playing against the Chicago Bears, what you'll tell your team is get out early, get out quick, get the ball from the kickoff and get yourself into a lead. Of 10 points. I think 10 points. Karen, I think, say 14. I'm saying 10. I think once Bears go go behind 10, they just don't seem to be able to go for, go from that. And and what's your take on, on where the Bears sit offensively with that in mind? Well, basically where they have done for the last four seasons. I mean, this is Nagy's offense. And what are we this season? Averaging 16 points a game, which is 30th in the NFL. That's How many times have we come onto a show and said... 10 points, you can't win the game with 10 points, 14 points, you can't win the game with 14 points. Well, well, at this stage, we know the why, Matt and Aggie. You've been there four years. The why is it's your offense, and it's consistently not scoring. I mean, I think there are some good players in there, some good young players who maybe they're not going to win you a Super Bowl, but they can do a hell of a lot better than the team are doing now. But it's it's just, it's not good enough. And as Kieran said, this is a guy who had to fire himself as the play caller twice. Like, it's... 
we know the reasons at this stage. It's it's four years. It's not a blip. It's it's reality. Like, and I think he was talking the other day. You know, he was asked specifically about you know you don't seem to score many points, and somehow he got onto the defense, not getting as many turnovers. And you're like, no, that's it's ridiculous. Like we, as long as he is there, as as Kieran said, you can have whoever you want calling the plays. It's still his offense. And while Laser may be better at structuring the calls during a game, it's it's still it's just not right. I mean, we, we've done it for long enough now at this stage, and I'm, I'm as you say, I'm, I'm fed up hearing about the wires. I'm, I'm fed up hearing the excuses. I'm fed up coming onto a show and saying, "Well, thirteen points, you can't win an NFL game with that." It's just it's just a perpetual thing, and it's. That's where it is. At this stage, you, you, you can't even... I'm getting onto a mat. You're at myself now, Anthony. I don't normally do them. But at this stage, you know where it is. The, uh, until they make big changes, this is just going to keep dripping along like that. And, and we're going to be having this conversation this time next year, if he's still there. No, and no. Enough no, is no, enough. No no. no, no. I'll be on the first plane to Alice Hall and I'll be getting his well, ass out of his seat. I'll buy that's, you that that's, plane that's ticket, Anthony. Uh, I, I just, I just, I think we should kind of move on a little bit from Matt Nagy as well. And I think we all know where where we sit within the Irish Bear Show on on Matt Nagy. Um, we wouldn't be his greatest fan, which is what somebody said to me on Twitter the other day. Um, and I just think that the offense needs to needs to look at that way. But also, my own personal opinion is some of the players need to look at themselves um, because I think the players are getting away with this scot free because some of the some of the the lack and, and someone made a very good point on Twitter on on the comments. And I'll actually, I'll bring, Kenneth, I'll bring you in on this. It's a question that was asked by um, by Stephen here. And it's basically, is, is Robinson's form a product of the overall offense? Is it poor with Dalton Fields? Or is it just not the player he was last year? Um, and a lot has been made around A-Rob and with the contract situation and his agent talking about it over and over again. But he isn't the player he was this season. He's been borderline poor. Um, and that does Justin Fields has been looking at looking at Mooney as, as much as he's been looking at A-Rob. Um, the question I ask is around around A-Rob, is it, is it a scenario for him as a player that he sees there's just not stuff coming through from the offensive line or he's not getting what he wanted? Or is, do you think, the contract situation getting to the point where he's <coughs> almost already checked out of Chicago? I don't think he's checked out. I won't put that on Allen Robinson. I'll just say it's familiarity. I mean, and Alex can tell you this, and I'm sure Brendan can. We all know that after practice that Mooney, Justin, and uh, what uh, Commit, they practiced together after practice. He didn't get reps with Allen Robinson. So they don't have the familiarity. I don't think Allen Robinson just slipped off the end of the bridge and he's a different player. But I'll say this, and I said this on the past couple of shows, I don't know if I'm paying Allen Robson that money moving forward, looking at how him and Justin feels. It's early though. Let me say that. It's early. They could go, they could go off. All right. They, it's a possibility. They could go off and, and they could develop a bond. But if if we're saying right now that I'm getting less production from Allen Robson than I can out of Mooney, and clearly Allen Robson is a better receiver at this point in his career than Darnell Mooney. I, and I don't even know if the Bears contractually can really even do it anyway. Of course, with the cap, you can always move some stuff around. But I don't think it's a situation where A-Rob is like, I'm not going to try. How many times have we seen him have alligator arms? If you start to see him have alligator arms play after play, then come back to me and I'll tell you he's worried about his health and his future. So I don't I don't believe it's that. I just think 
Justin Fields and, and, and Allen Robinson haven't had a time to really connect. And then think about this, too. Unlike the time when Mitch was the quarterback, they would sit there and throw the ball 30 or 40 times. And we'd be like, why are you throwing the ball 40 times with Mitch, right? Now they're using common sense with the rookie quarterback to know you kind of have to work him into it. And you don't want to basically expose him by just having him throw all over the field because he's not ready for that. And you really don't even have the offensive line that's prepared to go out there and perform in that manner. So I, I would look through it through that lens than just Allen Robinson has checked out or Allen Robinson, uh, Father Time has caught up with him. I don't believe either two of those things apply to Allen Robinson in this season. Yeah, I, I agree with that as well. One of the points they kind of brought up there is do you pay – Alan Robinson, just regardless of kind of what happens this season, because it's a, it's a tough one to to know because you look at the chemistry between some of the offensive producers there and you look at Darnell Mooney, you look at Justin Fields, they worked quite well together. We're not seeing that same connection with Alan Robinson. And you have to look at it and like these guys have had this pretty much the same amount of time to work together. It's not long because... Nagy and the coaching staff decided not to give Justin Fields any first team reps, which was ridiculous in the first place. But at one point, you have to you have to see. Look, Allen Robbins is what thirty in in the off season. Where do you see this offense going? Do you want to build it in the same timeline as Justin Fields? So does that mean that in the draft that you have to try and get what your wide receiver and try and get younger at that position? That's where I would prefer to go rather than spending like whatever it is, 15, 16, 17 million a year on a wide receiver that's going to hit free agency. Because even if it's not Allen Robinson, there's going to be people, we know what if Ryan Pace is still there, what he's going to try and do. He's going to try and fix it in free agency and in the draft. So he'll overspend in one, and then you have to hope he gets the right decision in, in the draft. And unfortunately, that's actually what's put the Bears in the cap situation they're in now. Like, Look at what he did at the tight end position. He went and gave Jimmy Graham all that money only to then draft a tight end in, in round two. He did the same thing this year where he signs Andy Dalton for the $10 million. You can even put in Nick Foles last year with all that money. Then he's drafting Justin Fields in round one. At some point in time, you have to look at the team building idea. Is Allen Robinson a great wide receiver? Yes, he absolutely is. On his day, he's the best wide receiver on this team, bar none. But the problem is you have to look at what style do you want to bring to this offense and does Allen Robinson fit what Justin Fields does? If he doesn't, well, then you have to say goodbye. Now, then the question becomes, do you say goodbye at the end of the year or do you try and recoup something in the middle of the season if he's not producing? That's a big question that I think the Bears are going to have to answer very quickly because the trade deadline is coming up. Um or are they just going to try and get that comp pick? But then again, that means you can't spend a lot on free agency to go get that. So it's a it's a tricky situation when it comes to the wide receiver. But I agree with Kenneth. I think the only wide receiver that's probably safe on this team right now is Darnell Mooney. I mean, yeah, all that's true. And then just going back to the Allen Robinson question about is is he still the same wide receiver that he is despite the production numbers? I think, yeah, absolutely he is. Um, and I think no matter what Justin Fields playing style is, he, he fits that because he's an incredible route runner who is honestly very, very reliable. Now, what's interesting is going back to Justin Fields being a rookie, it, it's not super easy 
developing that rapport, especially with a guy like Allen Robinson, who may look covered, but is uncovered when he's even covered, right? So that might explain why he's not getting the targets that Darnell Mooney is getting. Allen Robinson is a wonderful wide receiver, but one thing he is not really known for is creating incredible separation. Darnell Mooney has shown the ability to get great separation, so he's maybe getting those looks at the second and third progression. And this is something that, you know, was asked of, of Allen Robinson. He kind of dismissed it because I don't think he wanted to throw his guy under the bus. But I believe, you know, when Allen Robinson has even a half step on a guy that you can probably put the ball up to him. And that might be tough for Justin Fields to acclimate to that, right? He might just look and say, oh, this guy's covered. I'm moving on. When really you could probably give Allen Robinson that shot and – and he could probably come down with that contested ball. Um, and again, this goes back to the chemistry. This goes back to the rapport. Ken was talking about it earlier where they just need more time, right? That just comes with, they talk it out. They get a look. It either works out or it doesn't. And then they talk it over on the sidelines. So I think Ellen Robinson probably fits and can obviously be a huge help to Justin Fields going forward. Um, and I don't think that his lack of production is anything to be really worried about in terms of Allen Robinson being the same player that he is or Allen Robinson being able to be helpful in, in the long term. Now, if you want to get into the team um, team building aspect worth the money, do you want one Allen Robinson or do you want three other players using that money? That's an entirely different question. But if you're looking for a, for a wide out one, Allen Robinson's still a great guy. And you also have to remember that Darnell Mooney might be getting open because the offense or the opposing defenses are focusing a lot on Allen Robinson, right? You take him away, all of a sudden it becomes that much harder for Darnell Mooney to get open. Look at what's happened with the Falcons and Kelvin Ridley. And I know Kelvin Ridley has been kind of in and out um, health-wise. You take away Julio Jones, all of a sudden it's a lot harder for Calvin Ridley to get open and to produce. Look what happened uh, in Pittsburgh. You take away Antonio Brown. Everybody is expecting Juju Smith-Schuster to just explode as this wideout one. You take away Antonio Brown, though, all of a sudden it's a lot harder for Juju Smith-Schuster to produce. And I expect that it, it might be something similar with Darnell Mooney as well. You need a lot of these guys to attract a lot of attention um, so that one guy, right? You just need one guy to get open and – if Allen Robinson wins enough of his contested catches and wins enough of his targets, I think it's still incredibly, incredibly valuable in any offense. Yeah, I think that's, that's, a, that's a very valuable – sorry, Brandon. Sorry. Oh, I was just going to finish with this, and I think – I can't remember if Kenneth or Kieran mentioned it, but Fields still hasn't thrown more than 30 passes in a game. The identity is clearly with the running game, so you're not getting all those opportunities. I love, the, I love Alex's point about having – two wide receivers there where you're actually not able to like draw attention on one or the other. And really Darnell Mooney might be leading in targets right now with fields, but Robinson is right there next to him. Those two are still clearly one a and one B I'd say. And Darnell Mooney really just had one of those insane games with Detroit. Robinson's still getting his production. He's really just not being asked to do as much with some of those deeper routes. He's getting some of those like, you know, 10 yard dig routes and out routes. So I'd say it's it's too early to panic on that. It's just kind of the role he's being asked to play right now. 
Yeah, I think I think that's fair. I think everyone's kind of spoken about about Justin Fields and 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 the offense with Justin Fields in it, and, and lads in the comments have also made references to the start of the season and in preseason where he didn't get snaps with the first, and how that is and was everyone kind of saying it was a mistake, and it was shown out now because the relations with some of those players are, are coming through, and it's something that kind of worries me. But moving on, as I said, I promised I would do. I'm moving on from Matt Nagy, and I'm looking into a question that we'd like to have. And Brendan, I'm actually going to come straight back to you actually on this. Um, and it's where does the problem lie with this team? And before you answer, someone made a very, very good point. So when Karen was talking about potentially trading A-Rob, um, and the question that was brought up by, by Alan Watson is, do you want to, to see Pace make that trade? Right? Now, if you take away the, the whole point of, of, of maybe the comments is a bit getting trying to get rid of Pace and Nagy, but the point is, is, is still there with A-Rob, if we had to, let's say, or we wanted to do it, and where the actual problem lies with the team, does it go further than the head coach? Does it go further up the tree? And if so, does it stop at Ryan Pace? Or does it go even higher than that? I've said for a while now, I, I think this whole football operations needs an overhaul where they need more than just Ryan Pace to be their football guy. You go back to Ted saying in last year's, I guess earlier this year's press conference, like Ryan, the, the buck stops with him. That's our football guy. So many other teams have just like a much filled out staff where there's like more checks and balances, I feel like. And where Ryan Pace hasn't done a terrible job he really hasn't like, he, he really lucked into Justin Fields on this one. And, you know, you just think about the reaction before and after the draft where everybody wanted his head, the Andy Dalton moves, some of these like cheaper, lower cost moves that really didn't move the needle. And then you luck into Justin Fields and now, and Tevin Jenkins for that matter, and everything moves. So it, it's, it, it really, a, a whole lot of luck can just go a long way apparently. But I still think there does need to be an overhaul here because you're looking at four to five, six years with Ryan Pace specifically, and just things, especially on the offensive side of the ball, have not changed. You talk about in very small improvements here and there. That's nowhere near where it needs to be. And after so long, it's just you you can't keep doing the same thing. I know, Kieran, you talked about it. It's the definition of insanity, and that's where we're at with it. So, And I would say on the field, the problem with this team is it just feels like momentum. I, I feel like that they're really actually good about starting the game off pretty hot and scoring on their first drive. They've done it at least with a touchdown in three of their six games, but then they just go cold and they sort of come become discombobulated. It's good enough to beat those, those below average teams, but it's not good enough to beat the upper echelon teams. And that's why you've been stuck in neutral with an average eight and eight, eight and nine team potentially this year for the last couple of seasons. So I, I would I would really be in favor of just a complete football operations overhaul. I would love to see Ted Phillips get out of the role he's been in. It hasn't worked for so long. He has no business meddling in any football operations. Hire somebody that can work with the GM and create a football staff that's actually part of the 21st century because I've likened this Bears team to one of those mom and pop shops that – Essentially, you know, they've been doing good for so long. They, they live in their own little bubble. And then one day they walk out the door and they see this massive metropolis outside next to them wondering, when, where did this all come from? That's where the league's at now and they have to catch up. Oh, you've, I, yes, Brendan. I'm 100% with you. I also think this goes further than that. And, and for me, the most annoying thing in the preseason was these 10-second clips that the Bears would send out preseason. That, that's all they'd give the fans 
and that's all they think the fans deserve. And I think there's a massive disconnect between the upper echelons of the Chicago Bears and how they treat their fans and how they disrespect their fans. That could be a show all on its own. One other point I wanted to pick up on you, Brendan, and it's really important this week. You mentioned that we looked out on Justin Fields. I don't think we did. We have one person, in my opinion, to thank for Justin Fields, and that's Aaron Rodgers. Thank you, Aaron. You say you own the Chicago Bears. You gave us Justin Fields of the future. Why did you do that? Because you threw your dummy out of the pram the day of the draft, which meant the people who were going to get Justin Fields decided, oh, maybe Aaron Rodgers is available, so we won't get uh, Justin Fields. Justin Fields fell. Bears got him at 11. Thank you, Aaron Rodgers. Really appreciate that. I'm, I'm going to fight back on that. I'm going to say because we, we started the rumour of his epilepsy that actually uh, were the reason sh- that... Sh- sh- Shh, don't know. That was not a rumor. He does have epilepsy. That was. I think the Broncos did say that that was a that was an impact or it was a factor in them passing. Yeah, it's crazy. But my 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 whole point around it is that it's I find it entertaining that people look at as that Bears dropped all the way to to where he was, and I think Chicago Bears fell into that with Ryan Pace. We got in with Tevin Jenkins, and then we got in with the likes of Cleo Herbert, and we got good draft picks in. And the, the momentum, Brendan, is what you said. The momentum was lost since that day. And what lost that momentum is that we decided that Andy Dalton was our QB1. And we didn't even try and look anywhere else. And suddenly, here, there we are in week four, and suddenly Justin Fields is our QB1, having not spoken to anybody else after that. No, I'm going to bring... I'm going to bring... I <laughs> uh, love it. Uh, no, I'm going to bring you in on, on that exact point about where the problem lies with the team. I know we've spoken regularly about the fact that it's Matt Nagy that we seem to blame. But I think Brendan's point around it going up up the chain is really, really important. And I think my point to you is that we seem to be accepting mediocrity right from the top of the organization to the very bottom of the organization. We seem to accept defeats and we seem to accept eight and eights, eight and nines. Um, is that something that you would agree with? And if so, what do you think that you need? What do you think, sorry, needs to change for that? Uh, for, what do you need things need to do to change that? Right. No, well, we certainly do. Look, you just have to look at the performances over the last few years. I mean, even the press conference last year when everyone was convinced this is it, you know, they're going to clean house. They didn't. And they they were very straightforward. That, no, no, we're not. Maybe what you want, but we're not doing it. But Brendan is spot on with everything he was saying. This is, this is something that goes right through the core of, of the organization. And they need massive changes. I mean, where it's wrong with the team, Pace has had some good he, – he's had some good draft picks here and there who have come in surprised, but he's got his big ones wrong. The O-line has been – I mean, it's actually not as bad this week as I kind of thought it might be and over the last couple of weeks, but in general, it's still not good enough. Then we look at the secondary, secondary, secondary in the defense. Again, this – I think you talked earlier on about team building and, and team strategy – and it hasn't worked. We have decent players here, there, you know, who pop up. But as a whole team, it's it's, it's just not right. And Brendan is spot on. As I said, you need to be changing the whole structure. It hasn't worked. They've done it for years. Ted Phillips has been there for, what, 25 years. And I think they have three playoff wins in that time. Um, it's just not working. Uh, obviously, look, there's nothing you can do about the McCaskies. They're there. They, they own it. And that's not changing no matter what anybody wants. But even if they if they love Phillips, they can move him across. And as you say, bring someone in who can run the football. More checks and balances. I mean, it's it doesn't work. And it's been proved now to not work for a long time. But unfortunately, whatever they say, it does look like they are just happy to, to roll along. And, you know, they're not the worst team in the league. 
they'll get eight and eight. They'll win a few games. You know, you might get the odd big win, but generally you'll be who you're meant to be. And the checks keep rolling in. And now maybe that's not, maybe they'll say that's not true. We want to win just hasn't worked for whatever reason. But from the outside to me, it looks like they're just happy to tick along with the way things are because look, they're not the worst, you know, be happy with that. And uh, here's your 10 second clip during the off season, you know? So look, Right through the right through the structure, just needs a change from right top all the way down to the to the head coach for me. But you know, what's the chances of seeing that? Probably Alex, not much. Alex, I'm going to bring you in this, and I'm going to play a bit of devil's advocate here. Look, the Bears are still three and three, right? So it's not like this season is a Detroit Lions zero six or, or or something like we're already looking at at rebuilding in the 2022. Um, and look, they've been unlucky in the O line. Jenkins being injured, Boren being injured, um, having having issues at that point, and and then whether it's their own fault or whether it's not not having Justin Fields getting the relationship with other players and, and stuff like that. And let's be honest, there are some calls that have that were made, and especially in the last game, that were momentum killers and that probably weren't uh, calls. Now there's an argument that Chicago got a couple of calls on the other side as well, so got to be fair on both sides. But are we being a bit a bit harsh on on, on the organization at the moment? That look, they are still three and three. Uh, we could go to Tampa at the weekend and suddenly out of nowhere get a performance and every single Chicago Bears fan's already looking at Super Bowl tickets. But are we being a bit harsh? Um, I'm actually so glad you tossed this to me. I wonder if you saw it in my eyes because, yeah, I, I do think you guys are being a little harsh. Um, the, I understand the argument that you want a football guy running the football operation instead of Ted Phillips, who is not a football guy. But, I mean – the the idea that the Bears lucked into Justin Fields also doesn't quite ring true for me. I, I think you have to thank more than Aaron Rodgers, uh, <laughs> probably Vic Fangio for being a defensive guy and wanting to get a cornerback. Um, maybe the luckiest moment is the Panthers uh, going with Sam Darnold and then J.C. Horn, which left Patrick Sertan for the Broncos. And then the bears still had to make that move. I mean, they were at 20. They still had to move up to 11 to, to go get them. So I don't know that that's quite lucky. And then, you know, to defend Ryan pace a little bit, he has made some decisions that are questionable. You can look at the way he constructed the offensive line, his plan to go with a rookie left tackle, certainly questionable. The Jason Peters signing though, looks like it's worked out. He did make the Khalil Mack trade. Like how quickly we forget about the Khalil Mack trade that, I mean, really turned this franchise around and turned them into Super Bowl contenders for a season, um, even though even though it didn't work out. And I think if you're going to do this top to bottom overhaul, you're kind of resigning yourself to now going into full rebuild mode. And I just don't believe that the Bears are in full rebuild mode. Because if you have this top to bottom shakeup, you might have a guy who says, no, I don't think Justin Fields is the dude. And Justin Fields is gone. Um from where the team was in 2014 and 2015, where they were truly kind of like the laughing stock of the NFL, they were so, so bad. To turn that whole thing around to where they were legit Super Bowl contenders in 2018, outside of a bad bounce, to where they are now, um, I don't know. I, I, I'm just not at full rebuild, full rebuild mode yet. I think they have great players on defense. Um the Eddie Jackson signing looks bad in hindsight now, but after 2018, everybody was so excited for that signing. You could say the uh, the same thing about Tariq Cohen, right? When they made that extension, people were were applauding it. 
it's not anybody's fault that he tears his ACL and he can't come back. So I think you have to give them a little bit of credit where credit is due. Are they perfect? Of course not. Of course not. They have made some bad moves. But I mean, another shorter term example, we were ready to like throw everybody out the window for the Robert Quinn signing. Meanwhile, Robert Quinn looks like the best player on that defense this year. He's been unreal. Um, That could be a huge loss this Sunday if he can't go. So, no, I just I do not think the Bears are in full rebuild mode yet. And if you do that kind of organizational overhaul, you are inviting that type of full rebuild. I can I just say something Anthony, on that is I personally don't think that even if you have to change that, that you go full rebuild, because no matter what happens, I don't think you bring in a general manager if they're not sold on Justin Fields. I don't think you bring in a head coach if they're not selling Justin Fields. And like you you said, Alex, this football team is not going to be is not the team that you have to shred down to the bare bones and completely rebuild back up. I've always said you need to move a lot of the money that we currently have on the defense over onto the offense, but that doesn't mean you completely strip the defense because you make decisions based on what you have available. If you think that there's players in the defensive line that can develop over the coming years. We've spoken about Kyrie's Tonga before on the show. Um, you make decisions on guys like Eddie Goldman that might be making too much money for a nose tackle. Now, Eddie Goldman's a great football player, but you also have to think of, you still have Angelo Blackson that's still on the team for another season. You have Mario Edwards Jr. that's on the football team for another season. You have to make a decision on Bilal Nichols. Are you going to extend him? Roquan Smith has to get an extension. I don't care what you're going to do with this football team. He should be extended, and he should have been extended yesterday. Um, that's a that's a big one. You need to improve the secondary. You need to figure out what's going on with Eddie Jackson as well. Can that be salvaged to where he doesn't look like a liability each week? Because the problem is when he's making mistakes – it's everybody makes mistakes, but the problem is the position that he plays is when he makes a mistake, it usually turns into a touchdown from the other team. And that's where people notice you more. And sometimes when that happens, the one thing that I think Eddie Jackson, maybe his agents should tell him to do is stop talking after the game because he's actually making it worse for himself and he's inviting more people talking about him. But yeah, I, I don't think no matter what happens, whether the GM and head coach stay, go, whatever. I don't think you have to completely overhaul this. I don't think the truth's always in the middle. There's always people that hate everything to do with the GM, hate everything to do with the head coach. Alex is right. The Ryan Pace made one of the better moves by bringing in Khalil Mack to this team and making this defense into a force. But then at the same time, you, we can also analyze them and say, that there's there's been a reason we haven't been able to build the entire roster. It's because we're constantly trading draft picks for for players, and we're only getting. Pro, I would say he probably averages about four or five selections in each draft, while other GMs are averaging eight or nine, and it gives you a better chance to kind of hit on those. Spends too much money on certain positions, like we've seen. We're spending a lot of money on the bag of quarterback or the tight end, and we have basically no money in our offensive line which i still don't understand after seven years of being in this in this organization how 
Ryan Pace can go in each year and not try and improve the offensive line when when we come back to the basics of football, games are won on the, in the trenches, in the defensive line and offensive line. And for too long now, our offensive line has sucked and is the reason why our offense can't actually get going. And people, I think it was Noel that said that we're not the worst team. And I keep going back to it. Offensively, we are the worst team in the NFL. And that's a problem. Like, we have, a, we have an offensive head coach. And our offense looked more looked better when we had John Fox as the head coach. And that's a problem. We all we all slagged the shit out of Dowell Loggins for a whole year. And yet the offense that he was running actually produced more than what we're doing right now and what we've done in previous seasons. And that's a big problem because we shouldn't have to go back to that. And like I said, there's like slight improvements that we're seeing. As an overall offense, it's broken, and there has to be some way that you're going to fix that. So there's either two ways of doing it. You bring in a new head coach or a new scheme that might work, or you need to get different players that are going to be put into the offense. And what that means is you are going to have to reduce the amount of money that you currently have on defense and shift that over to the offense and get into the 21st century where teams are scoring 30-plus points a game. Because if you don't do that, you're going to be left behind. It doesn't matter who your quarterback is, who your top running back and wide receiver is you need to be able to produce and if you can't do that as an overall offense we've mentioned it in so many different sports it's not a team of individuals not 11 individuals out there to see who's the most talented 11 individuals it's who's the best playing as a team the best teams win it's a reason why the likes of new england won for so long even though the wide receivers and the kind of running backs around tom brady were so bad there's a reason why Seattle with Russell Wilson, that defense got so far because they were a team. They worked together. If you have an offense that you have certain individuals that are talented, but then you have some weak links, you're not going to actually get to the point of where you're going to be successful. And that's why we keep hearing this. I know we hate to say it on the show, the why about the offense. The reason why we get that is because we don't have an entire offense that actually works in sync and works as a whole. And that's what the offense is supposed to be. You're supposed to work as a whole. We talk about about the offensive line, that they have to work together all the time. But then we forget that, well, actually, everything needs to work together, from the play count to the snap to does everybody know their assignments? If there's even one person that doesn't do it, a play call is ruined. And that's where the biggest kind of problem for me comes in, that the communication on offense, that it just doesn't seem that, each position is in sync with one another and it's very obvious to why we're not scoring the points that you would expect to score in 2021. So I have a quick question and it's kind of building off what Kieran said. And I'm going to ask this to Alex and Ken, uh, Kenneth, uh, cause I want, I want both of your thoughts on this. I know Alex, you defended Ryan Pace and I get it. I do because he has made a lot of shrewd moves. It just feels like for every good move that there is, there's something like, just equally as infuriating and it's just kind of middling, but I, I get it. And I, I have defended some of his moves in the past, obviously, but let's say the bears finished seven and 10 this year, you know, just under 500 and it's time for Matt Nagy to go. He gets fired, but pace remains. Do you trust him to hire the right head coach? I know there are like a bunch of names out there, specifically offensive guys, but do you, both of you, trust him to make now a third hire to finally get things right? Oh, I'll, I'll I mean, go. 
Yeah, no, go ahead. I don't, I don't trust. Look, okay, this is a hard question, Brendan. And it's Ken or Kenneth. It I don't care. I'm not one of those people. Oh, okay, got away. it. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I will say this. I would think that Ryan Pace now being the fact that Casterly basically forced John Fox on him. And then, all right, so it's a learning lesson. And we all go through learning lessons in positions that we never had before. So I would think that he would know, okay, I went for the Sean McVay clone, quote unquote, in Matt Nagy, even though that situation, as far as who was calling the plays, was so murky, he should have been cautious in the first place. But I would think going from someone who, one, you didn't even know if he was really calling the play call and just as an experience that perhaps if he had another opportunity, he would look for someone who has done the job, either had been a coordinator, depending on how you look at it. Because you may look at it as far as you're looking for a head coach and not just a quarterback whisperer slash defensive guy. You want you want to go in and get a good CEO that can find the guys under him that can do A and B, talking about running the offense and running the defense. So I would hope, Brendan, that he would have gained that wisdom. But being a cynic and looking at his past, I still wouldn't give him that opportunity because and, and even though he hasn't messed up as much as Matt Nagy, um, his, I mean, but we're saying that he's clipping. Let's re, well, he's clicking in about what sixty-seven percent when we're talking about uh, including pro personnel and draft. He's better in pro personnel than he is in the draft, even though he does hit nicely. When you talk about Mooney, talking about Khalil Herbert, I'm just naming a couple of guys right now in the last couple of drafts. Uh, but no, Brandon, I wouldn't give him that chance. But honestly, let's be honest, will he get that chance if Matt Nagy's probably let go? I, I believe that ownership will probably do it because usually the things that make sense we don't get here. Um, it's just the truth. I mean, when you're looking at ownership, they've never really done the things. I mean, only thing they did that made sense was toss Emory and Tressman out early. That oh, was the vicious. only thing. Yeah, that was the only thing. That we we finally got what we wanted when we heard before the season's end that they were both out. But you look at last year when both of them should have been out. What did they do? They told us that they they self reflected. Everyone did a self reflection. There was some self reflection because what took place in week ten happened in week three or whatever. As far as Matt Nagy giving up that position. But again, let me close out so my guy Alex can get in here. Brendan, no, I wouldn't. I, I wouldn't trust him, even though I think. There's a chance he could do a decent job, but being honestly, I wouldn't give him that chance if it was my money paying him. So vicious, Ken. My I'm man, sorry. so vicious. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're good. You're good. Um, I'll I'll approach this from a different way because I think Ken did a, a pretty nice job of going through that. I'll approach it where if the Bears are seven and ten, but Justin Fields is continuing to grow at the rate that we've seen, which is pretty well. I think we'd all agree he's looked better each and every week. And obviously, it's not perfect. And in some situations, he's going to take a step back. But I think for the most part, he's gotten better. Um, where even if the offense is not scoring 30 points a game, I think you keep Matt Nagy around because I think it's kind of unfair to actually hold the offense to these standards right now. And we've talked about it a lot about how it's not good enough. And all of that is extremely true. It's not good enough to win in the NFL, but it might be kind of unfair to hold them to these standards now because Justin Fields made four starts and you can criticize the decision to not give Justin Fields first team reps. That is totally fair um, because he was your future and not making it open competition with Andy Dalton. Like all of that criticism is 100% legit and 100% fair, but here's where we are. They didn't do those things. 
Justin Fields has not had a lot of pro experience. And no matter how much he says the, the game is not that fast for him or whatever, I appreciate all that confidence. It is simply tough. And Matt Nagy was actually very, very candid when he, I think it was this week, he said, listen, we got to put too much on his plate in Cleveland. We threw too much at him and it looked really bad. And it was really bad. So you dial it back, you pare it down. And we've seen him giving, we've seen them give fields a lot of half field reads, right? Where they do these boots and he's got two reads. And after that, if it doesn't work, it doesn't work. So I'm not sure that it's fair to assess the offense as a whole because they're just trying to get Justin Fields into a groove, right? We still may not know what the potential of this offense is for a variety of reasons. Uh, Trubisky wasn't properly suited to carry it out or whatever. Uh, they get their guy in Trey Burton to be the U tight end and Trey Burton has for a variety of reasons, can't get on the field. And these sound like excuses and they are excuses. And by now, should it be working? Probably. Yeah. Four years into it, but with where they're at now with Justin Fields, trying to get his legs under him, just trying to develop a rapport, trying to become a starting NFL QB. And given the fact that they have already said, I, we might've put too much on his plate too early. It might be unfair to expect them to be scoring 30 points a game in Justin Fields fourth and fifth start um, where, and again, this is going back to what I was saying originally. If since this is where they're at and you're just wanting to see incremental progress with Justin Fields, because let's be honest, the future of the franchise is Justin Fields. If Justin Fields is the dude that the bears expect him to be, Five, 10 years from now, it's all good. It's all good. Um, so if if Justin Fields is considerably, noticeably much better in week 17 than he is in week seven, I think that's enough to keep Matt Nagy around regardless of what the record is. See, that's where I actually massively disagree with you, Alex. And the reason I massively disagree with you on that is Nick Foles and Andy Dalton. Because when Mitch finished, he went to Nick Foles, spent a lot of money, spent a lot of draft pick, a lot of our a lot of our problems come from that contract, and he backed it up with Andy Dalton. Now people say that's Ryan Pace, he's got Ryan Pace. Actually, Matt Nagy, they all said it was the, the communication they had and their the collaboration was the word I was looking for, and they collaborated into getting Andy Dalton. And Mitch, um, Mitch, I nearly said Mitch again. Matt Nagy spent the whole time trying to prove himself right with Andy Dalton, in my opinion, this summer, rather than give uh, Justin Fields the opportunity to have a shot. That's my opinion on where it would be. My issue with Matt Nagy is that he still didn't want to make Justin Fields quarterback one. And on a Sunday, he said he didn't want to make uh, Justin Fields um, quarterback one. And 15 hours later, Justin Fields is announced as quarterback one. So somebody said something to him at some stage. That wasn't Matt Nagy's decision, again, in my opinion. And then Matt Nagy has, has got decision issues. Um, we played our first two games of the season without Justin Fields and we didn't score over 30, 25 points. I could be wrong, but I don't think we did. I don't think we looked anyway, anyway impressive. I accept it's the first two games, but again, going with the Justin Fields conversation. I think Matt Nagy's issue is when he tries to say that he's been in the... It's, it's, I said this on the show regularly. It's your offense, kid. It's been in your offense for three years, right? So don't come at me with this. Oh, it'll take another three years for us to get a fix. It's six years. Stop, stop. You 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 you're just making a fool of yourself. In my, again, fair, go on. 
I think the offense looked pretty good with Andy Dalton, though. Andy Dalton, it's like kind of revisionist history that he was bad. He was pretty good. And I think in that week, too, they might score 25 points if he finishes that game. See, I, y'all I, are laughing. Y'all are no, like, no, I, I, see, no, I, I agree. I, I'm not I laughing agree. at you. Andy I'm Dalton, not laughing Andy at you. I, I'm just good. entertained. I'm entertained <laughs> that you're giving it to him like this. So I'm going to go back on mute. I just got to, I just got to, I just think you got to be fair. Andy Dalton was looking pretty all right. He was looking pretty all right before he got hurt. Well, it's Nick Foles against the Atlanta Falcons last year. We saw what happened there. So at the end of the, at the end of the day, we say it looks all right, but that's comparing it to like normal Bears offensive football, not NFL <laughs> offensive football, and that's the problem. Like, there's so many Bears fans now that like are just happy when we see improvements, but at the end of the day, like, what have we ranked in offense since Matt Nagy's been here? Probably like 27, 29, 32, 31. Like, that's the problem. Is we can say this that oh, we we can't expect 30 points a game, and I completely agree. He's a rookie; you're not going to get that. I've always said that I'd rather Justin Fields make all of his mistakes this year and learn from them. And it doesn't really matter what his numbers look like. But as an offense, to not expect to score 20 points a game, especially the way the NFL is called now, and you have an offensive head coach is straight up embarrassing as an organization, especially when that head coach has been here for four seasons now. Like I always go back to something that Theo Epstein said for the Cubs, that after five to 10 years, it's time for a change. If it comes to five years and we haven't seen any sort of exceptional offensive football from Matt Nagy's offense, like you said, Anthony, well then what's there to show us that anything is going to change? Because we haven't seen even the slightest bit that something's going to change. Yeah, Kenneth, go ahead. Let me jump in, and I gotta go with uh, my UC partner, Alex. All right, I got you, Alex. Let me go, my man. Quick. My man. <laughs> UC versus the Bear- Irish Bear yeah, Show. Yeah, exactly. This, this <laughs> is the real under center takeover now. Because I, I, I know, I know that I think the narrative that we're kind of battling here is the history of the Bears, and I, it was mentioned. Anthony, I think you mentioned it. How they mistreat, maybe it was no mistreat the fan base, and I'm all for that. Um, I've ranted plenty of times they wouldn't get my money, you know what I'm saying, because they disrespect me and I'm not going to pay you to disrespect me. But getting to the the micro and looking at this year, and Karen, I'll ask you this, out of the five rookie quarterbacks that are in the league this season, and we know Trey Lance now, depending on if Jimmy Garoppolo is healthy or not, if he's going to be out there, how many of them are consistently scoring over 20 points a game? Uh, I wouldn't be 100% sure, but what I would say is you have to look at it going forward, right? So in terms of the Bears, they're probably the most stable. Well, I'd say Mac Jones and Justin Fields. I was going to say, yeah, Mac Jones. Yeah, have, yeah. have, have the most stable situation, and they're the ones that you could probably expect to try to score that. But then like you look at the Jets, and they're a, a crap show every single year. So, so that's tough. Right. Like, but 49ers, you have Cal Shanahan, who's an excellent coach, and Cal Shanahan. Yeah, no, I would expect them to do to do well as well. And I've always said it going into the season. I always had the expectations for Trevor Lawrence and Justin Fields a little bit higher than the rest of them because just as the players that they came in, I have higher expectations for those. Trevor Lawrence has the 
unfortunate task of having to play for the Jacksonville Jaguars. So and that's Urban Meyer. The, yeah, and, and Urban, Urban Meyer. Meyer. Yeah, still, exactly. I guess the point, the point that I was trying to make is this. I understand our frustrations, but we have to understand at this point in Justin Fields' career how far this offense is going to go. And there has been incremental – it's been a little bit more, I feel like, than incremental improvements. But you mm-hmm. still have a young rookie, a quarterback, who did not get reps. Now, we can argue over the reps part. All right, we can go back and forth over that part. But still looking where we're at in this offense and then comparing it to the rest of the players that were drafted in this class, I'm not – frustrated now if you i'll tell you this if we get to week 14 15 and there's games where clearly you have to go you he needs to be doing better when it comes to vertically chunk yards and i just don't mean on justin i mean the coaching staff also then i'm going to be a little bit more upset but still thinking this is his rookie year but i think we have to take consideration it's a young rookie quarterback in a new offense with a new play caller and then look around at the other play, per players in his class. Now, if the rest of the players in his class were consistently scoring 25 points a game, 20 points a game, I'm with you. I would be I would be frustrated because we're like, what are they doing that we're not doing here? But I think we have to look at the history of rookie QBs when we're talking about the Bears offense right now. Yeah, one question that I would have for you on that is, because we want to project it kind of going towards the season of the development of Justin Fields, is do you have the confidence that the offense can get to the point of where – of what we expect from Justin Fields in the long term. Because that's I think that's what a lot of Bears fans have struggles with, where they think mm. of, well, do they actually trust that this offense will be able to cater towards Justin Fields? Because in past seasons it hasn't I know the you would hope that the talent isn't wasn't the same as before, but there's mm. still signs that there's going to be limitations in the offense that he is running. And I think people expect that He's a rookie. You're not going to be given everything straight away, but and that you hope development happens. But there is the op- there is the opportunity for rookies to be successful. Like we saw it last year for the LA Chargers, where Justin Herbert and I've always said this, he had a phenomenal season, even though the Chargers didn't win many football games. So there is the possibility that you can lose football games but still look right. very good. So my biggest thing is when we look at the development right now, we see the incremental steps that that are necessary and it's a really good sign because you look at all the rookies and Justin is the one that I look at and I feel quite confident in my feelings prior to the season to as we go through that I feel that he is going to get to the point that we hope that he gets to my biggest question is is this the offense that will be able to cater for him and that's something that I still have to have to wonder because I don't know if we're going to see those big strides that we do expect and the last thing that we need is towards the end of the season we see these kind of development parts and then we come into next season don't change anything and it's the same thing again where it's still limiting the talent that you've now spent the draft capital on that we all expect to be a very good football player i'll say this um i believe bill laser regardless if he's here next year or not is setting up Justin Fields for success. And I, I think if, even if you look at what they've done and you you look at the Browns game, talking about um, they gave them too much, all right? I believe, I don't know if it was Alex or Brendan. I, I can't remember who mentioned that earlier in this show, right? Look at that, all right? Then look at what Bill Lazor is doing on pairing it back 
to, to get him going right instead of overloading him. So it's telling you that he's cognizant of, all right, let me set this short up. Let's run the football. See, I think right now, because we went back to 101 and Matt Nagy has been telling us that we're going to get to the, the to, to 404 for so many years and we never got off 101, but now we're in the fundamentals of 101 and they're trying to bring this guy. How many times did they not run the ball when Matt Nagy was calling this offense? Yeah. Go back and look at, Go back and look at the first three games of Bill Lazor calling in them. And again, they were sucker teams, but the amount of points they were scoring. I believe Bill Lazor is building to that, but you can't miss steps and just jump to that, especially yeah, that's, with a kid. That's yeah, that's that's. And again, I'm, I'm, I'm putting this on Bill Lazor. I, we're saying, and everybody can say, well, Matt Nagy's there and I'm with you. Matt Nagy is there. But to me, Bill Lazor is using common sense, looking at the strategy he's using to bring Justin Fields along, in my opinion. I really hope everyone that's online is enjoying this as much as I am because this is actually really entertaining. Anyone that's going to be anywhere else on Twitter or anything like that, we're going to be here for another, let's say, 10 minutes. So make sure you jump online, ask any questions, especially the lads, the Under Center podcast versus the Irish Bear Show, I think is what we're probably going to call this episode. <laughs> um, but no, it's been it's been really, really good to have it. I'm going to move us, move us on. I, I Literally, I think we could have this conversation for quite some time because I definitely want to get back into Nick Foles and Andy Dalton because I think that was missed by people. But we're going to move. Noel, I'm going to bring you back in. Um, just in connection with the Tampa Bay game. So I'll be completely honest. Everyone that has watched this show or anyone that ever kind of looks and listens to what I'm saying, we do a preview before the game and every single game I go for the Bears to win, no matter who they're playing. I just look at it and go, Chicago going to win. That's the optimistic person that I am. I'm going to win by whatever score. I predicted 47-10 last week. Maybe I was wrong. You're going to lose a lot of money that way, man. I'm not, that's why I don't bet. <laughs> exactly. my, wife does, my wife does not allow me to bet because it could go hard. And rightly so. Completely, completely. Uh, no, on it, I, what, what I'm going to you on is this was the one game when I looked at the schedule that I just think we mismatch. I think it's a dangerous game for us to play. And, and I'm not just talking about, about Tom Brady and wanting to get back for the four or five calls or whatever memory loss he had in the last game. I just think they run defense. And Karen mentioned it in our chat earlier on. Nobody runs on Tampa Bay. And to use Ken's point a second ago where he said about that the Bears have become a, a team that is looking at running the, running the ball. Um, against this Tampa Bay team, would you would you agree with the kind of idea? Or are you looking at it going, actually, do you know what? I can see the Bears doing something else to win the game. Um, well, I'm like yourself, Anthony. Most weeks, I think I start off with new week, new optimism. But this week, there hasn't been much optimism. I'm, I'm a bit worried about this one because, as you say, I just don't think we match up well. You point out there, nobody runs on the books. And the running game has been a big strength for us this year. It's, it's looked really, really good with, with the guys we have there. Now, obviously, Williams being available or not is going to be a big thing. Um but even the other strength on our team this year has been the front seven on defense, and especially the edge guys. Well, that you look at the books, and Brady's only been sacked, I think, nine times this year. So that's going to be tough for them. So kind of most of the points where we've looked good this year are going to be really tested now against this team because on the opposite side, it's where the books are very strong. And then look, let's not even talk about our secondary and Tom, um, Tom Brady. like. So, yeah, no, it, it, it's going to be a tough one, but... I mean, I've been very impressed with the run game this year. So I'm hoping they still, they don't go away from it. Now, obviously, it's laser calling plays now and not Matt Nagy. And as Ken said, he's done a good job calling the runs because if it was Matt Nagy, we know he would just go away from it if it wasn't if it wasn't working. So I'm, I'm hoping we can we can try and keep a bit of balance and maybe test out that Bucks run defense and, and see where it is. I mean, Khalil Herbert had a fantastic game there last week. 
And I think they just need to maybe not get frustrated if it doesn't work early and try and keep that balance. And then look, Fields himself, I mean, I don't know. I think they need to, to, to let the reins off a little bit with him and just see what he can do. I mean, I think we do have players there that can test other teams if they're used right. I'm just, I'm not, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm just not confident they're going to do what they need to do. Um, so yeah, no, it's it's going to be a tough one, but I'm I'm a, I'm interested to see how it pans out. Yeah, and I'm going to try and flip it as well and go the optimistic side, Brendan. See, go back to my optimistic side already. Um, and I'm looking at it, but what Noel said there as well around some of the stuff that we can do, and I think our, our pass rush is elite. I really do. And I think Robert Quinn obviously is there, but but Gibson has been a bit of a find coming through this year. People were questioning him whether he can whether he can be that that one. And Khalil Mack is the last two games has definitely kind of stepped up. And look, we don't know with Robert Quinn. Uh, it's early in the week, so the hope would be that he passes. I I've heard read somewhere that he it sounds like he has been um vaccinated, which would then allow him just to have two um, clear tests before he can play. And maybe Williams comes back as well. Obviously, we don't know the situation with that. And there's, there's personal history with, with Williams as well around around COVID. So that could be something that might last another week or two. But this weekend, at this weekend's game, the Bucks, the optimistic side of me says that we can get at Brady and try and make him make him get impacted. What, what do you think of that, Brendan? Boy, man, you, you came to the wrong person because I'm not feeling optimistic about this at all. And I think that while you can get after Brady, he's still going to find ways to find the dump offs and find those short passes. I mean, it's basically what happened with Drew Brees the last couple of years where he was really utilizing those short passing situations, utilizing the running backs. And, you know, I'm not sure if Gronk is going to be playing this game, but and Brady's still able to push the ball downfield much better than Breeze at this point. But still, like he's able to handle that pressure. He doesn't go down easily. So I'm really – I've got to say I'm not really optimistic all, all the way around here because, you know, while there could be a chance to run on this team where you keep feeding the run and feeding the run, I mean, the interior of the offensive line last week got blown up. I mean, Kenny Clark coming through quite a bit. And now you got Vita Vea that you have to take an account for. Plus, you're facing Todd Bowles, one of the most, you know, defensive coordinators that brings the heat more than anybody. If I'm him, I'm just sitting back looking at that Cleveland tape and just saying, okay, yep, I'm gonna write notes here. And God help, God help us. I hope that Matt Nagy's actually gonna commit to using and Bill Lazor at this point, but committing to using those tight ends to help pass protect because we're gonna need it, especially again with a rookie quarterback that uh holds the ball sometimes a little too long and can't really identify when he should run, when he should throw it away or take the sack. So, I mean, you know what? I'll give you one optimistic point here. We still have Cairo cryo Santos. So if it comes down to a field goal, if you need field goal points, this guy's money. So there, you know, I think the special teams is going to do pretty well. Two in a row, Brendan, two in a row. See, Karen, kickers are people. They are people. We've been saying it all along. Kickers are people. Um, yes, I totally agree with you. And it's, by the way, just a small point. It's not Cairo, it's Carlos, but I get your point. Um, the the one, Alex, on this, I'm going to bring to, to you about, about what it would be from, from this game going in. I want to kind of, what I want to see, but I think Sean Desai definitely has impressed in the in the games that we've had so far, and you made the point about only twenty four points against the against the Packers, against Aaron Rodgers, against Devontae Adams, etc. 
And and we can question whether the Packers are are as good as the Bucks, or maybe they are. We don't know. We unfortunately might see that later on in the season. But with the with the the Sean Desai stuff, is this a good test for him? So we were saying last week that the Packers game is going to be a great test for the whole team to see where we are and where we sit. But for Sean Desai, just on Sean Desai's perspective, is this a very good test to see where he is? Um, I think in the sense that you want to see how they respond after last week. I think Sean Desai after the after the Rams game, and I don't know how much of this you can actually put on Sean Desai and how much you put on the players for executing. I mean, the Rams game, the secondary got gashed. There were defensive miscommunications. It there were big plays that looked really bad. Um and then the next week, you saw the creative things that Sean Desai brings to the table, like Khalil Mack and Robert Quinn stunting from the same side of the line. I mean, that was something that we hadn't seen very much of. And he brought to the, that to the table, and it worked. Now, this week, um, coming off of last week, where Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon really took it to him. And that is something that is unexpected, right? I think going into the Packers game, you think if – if, if they can sack Aaron Rodgers a couple times early, it probably bodes well for the Bears' defense, right? Because they got to lean on that run game, and that feeds into the Bears' strengths. It did not play out that way, though. The, the, the Packers moved to that run game, and they ended up dominating. So in that sense, I think, yes, where does Sean Desai make the adjustments? How do they shore up that run defense? Now, well, it's kind of similar to the Packers, really, the Buccaneers. You know, the Buccaneers aren't known for their great run game, although Leonard Fournette has been very good this season. They are known for the passing attack. It'll be interesting to see, are they going to put Jalen Johnson on an island again? I'm not sure that they do, although I don't really know. But just because the Buccaneers have so many great wide receiver weapons, not just Devontae Adams, right? You think Packers, you think Devontae Adams. So they had Jalen Johnson on an island against Devonte Adams. This week, you've got Mike Evans. You've got Chris Godwin. You've got Antonio Brown. I mean, the list truly does go on and on. So I'm not sure how they'll deploy Jalen Johnson, but that will be an interesting wrinkle. And then what I think you do need to do is you got to find some sort of a way to get Eddie Jackson going. And I'm not sure how you do that, but I'm also not a defensive coordinator. That's way above my pay grade. But, you know, Eddie Jackson, for whatever reason, is not coming up with the, t- the, the takeaways. He did have the force fumble. It was either a force fumble or a fumble recovery where he and Tayshawn Gibson uh, collaborated on one. I forget which side. I believe it was the force fumble. So yeah, he, he had, had that. Force. He had the force fumble. Thanks, Brendan. Um, so just like he was able to scheme Robert Quinn uh, to get him going, I wonder, is there something he can do to scheme Eddie Jackson some takeaways. So in, in that regard, from the bounce back from last week in terms of the run defense, and can can you do something to get Eddie Jackson going? He was his um he, he was hands-on with him as a safeties coach before. So nobody knows Eddie Jackson probably on this defense better than Sean Desai. In those two regards, yeah, that, that's kind of a challenge. That's kind of a test. We'll see what Sean Desai brings to the table. Ken, moving to the other side of the ball, and we're all, you mentioned about Justin Fields and Justin Fields making those little progressions that we want to start seeing. And what would be the, the progression in this game coming up against this defense that, let's be honest, is 
not bad. Um, what would be the, the progression that you'd like to see from Justin and the offense as a whole going forward in this one? Um, you know what? I just want to see more of the same, kind of what was starting to take place last week. It's, and I mean more through the passing game. Uh, I know Noel said it. You ha- Listen, you can't run on this defense, but you have to run on this defense because the last thing you want to do is turn around and say, hey, Justin, we can't run on them. You do it. Because uh, then you're going to end up in a shaky situation, putting that kid against Todd Bowles and that defense. And I, I listen, Vita Vea, I'm afraid of. Uh, Cody Whitehair was getting his lunch eaten this past Sunday. Um, and that 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 jumped out to me, especially thinking of how good we believe. Not to say Cody Whitehair isn't good. Everyone gets beaten. Everyone gets paid for a reason. But uh, offensively, I want to see Justin go deep. I, I want to see. I want you to use the play action. I know they did it a decent amount this past game. I, I want to see you take advantage of putting Justin out on the edge and getting some of that playground going like we see Aaron Rodgers do throughout the years. Take, take advantage. And then some of this is on Justin, too. Um, Justin, to me, still is hesitant at times when it's just time to go. You know, like, and I'm innocent. I can expect that one from a rookie quarterback, but also I think a rookie quarterback in the back of his mind that's trying to establish the fact that he's not a run first quarterback, that he's a quarterback that can win from the pocket. And I think that, especially being a black quarterback, to be honest with you, it's something that may stick out in his in his head a tad bit. Um, so, but he has to, he has to use all of his weapons. And as he he grows and this starts to matriculate, of course, you know, saying you can win from the pocket, but take advantage of your athleticism, uh, take advantage of the, the coaching staff, take advantage of the, the fact that. You can really know what the defense is doing if you get him out on quarterback waggles and he has simple reads to get to guys or guys are doing a scramble alert. Use that. I mean, that that's the only way you're going to beat a Tampa Bay, and I don't think you're going to beat a Tampa Bay. All right, like, let's just – let's be honest. And you're going down there? <laughs> I don't think you're going to beat I – mean, I mean, look, but see, this is the thing, too, because there's, there's a lot of murky dismal going on in this episode of Irish Bears, and we're three and three. All right. After the Rams game, I remember I remember talking to the man on the total opposite bottom of this the screen for me and Alex. And we were like, man, they may get about four or five wins after the Browns game. Right. And I mean, like, just think about where we've been. And I get it. We we deserve championships. Let me uh, let me lead with that. We deserve championships. I can't say things are going right because the same people are still running it, but things make more sense than they have in the past. And in the past, they allowed a lot of foolishness to continue going and they weren't using a lot of common sense. I think a lot of the common sense is being used right now. We'll see how it goes. So I'm not upset. I mean, really, if if they could come back and they can beat the 49ers and they can beat the Steelers, I think we're, we got to talk about, hey, yeah, this season's about Justin growing, but you know, you may be able to, to kind of, you know, stick your chest out a little bit because I don't think any of us had them beating the pack. And I know damn well outside of Anthony losing his money, none of us have them beating the <laughs> You know, yeah. it's just, it's yeah, just I facts. Think, I think you're right. I think I think that's a very good point about the three and three. I think it's just what we've seen. And I think that's in the last couple of years. And also, and I throw in the fact that when Justin Fields was drafted and the next day Tevin Jenkins followed in behind him, just the expectation level went from here. And I remember listening to your Understander podcast as well, lads, and you guys went from here to there in like 25 seconds. And it, it that's where I think, all in a weird way, that's where the problem lies for Chicago, that we've got this franchise QB and we want, it's, it's we, me and Karen said it on the night of the draft and Noel as well. We said, we have this shiny new Christmas toy and granny wants you to play with an old slipper. 
and you're like, no, 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 I want the new toy. The toy is just there. And I was like, no, 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 let's play with the slipper. You like the slipper more. And that's where I think, speaking from, from Bears fans that I know, that's where you want us to be. And that's where we are, right? That's where we are right now. I just think that I, I it's, it's that expectation. Can I get it, man? I do get it. I think we are three and three. We've got to be a bit more positive. We've got to be a bit more looking forward to it. That's why I'm going to predict the Bears win just in a minute, which will be entertaining. But what I'm going to do is I'm going to go around. I'm going to ask everybody just what I'm looking for is one bowl prediction and one score prediction. Uh, so, Noel, I'll start with you as you're right beside me. Um, can I get just one ball prediction? And what I mean for the three new guys that are in, what I mean by a ball prediction is something that is unexpected or something that you think might blow up. So, for example, last week there was comments about Cole Komet potentially getting a bit, bit more reps. There was actually a conversation about Herbert doing fantastically well and that um, that our that our tight end would do something. And also there was conversation about how many times we'd, we'd sack Mac or sack um, Aaron Rodgers. So, Noel, I'll start with you. What's your bold prediction? Uh, I'm not saying scoring. it just because you mentioned it, but I'm going to go with Cole Komet when he's not blocking and he maybe needed to block every now and then. But I was actually, I was I was happy to see a few of the, the, the catches he made there at the weekend, uh, getting a little bit more into the game. And uh, I'm, I'm going to say Komet will have, I won't give numbers because I don't know what a good game is for Komet. He'll have a better game than last week and I think he may even get a touchdown. Um, so I'll go with Komet have a good game and a touchdown. Um, it's not going to help us win though. Unfortunately, uh, do you want my prediction now as well? Go on, give me the score. I may be going against the Bears actually. And as I say, normally I'm positive every week, I just can't do it this week, but I'll be positive. I'll give us 14 points, but I'll give them 28. 14 points again. Karen, I know. Well, go to, go to, go, to <laughs> go to you next, my man. Same question. Tough. Um. I think my bold prediction is that the Bears run for over 100 yards. So we, we keep talking about how, how good this run defense is for um, Tampa, and it is. But I think it's the only way that the Bears stay in this football game, that they, ha- they have to run. And you just need to kind of change up the running style a little bit. Um I, I don't know if it's just going to be Khalil Herbert out there, if there's going to be anybody else that's going to be available. Um, I'd worry a little bit if it's Khalil Herbert and then all you have is Artavis Pierce and Ryan Nall because you, you saw kind of what the coaching staff taught of them. I think they had maybe like, I think Artavis Pierce had one actual snap at the running back position in uh, the last game. So yeah, um, that'll be my bold prediction that they get over 100 yards and hopefully... Lil Herbert gets in for a couple of touchdowns might help my fantasy team out there because it sucks <laughs> this year. Um, but yeah, in terms of the score prediction, I'm going to say Tampa 33, Bears 20. Okay, we're going from 14 to 20. We're going in the right direction. Alex, by my positive thought process, my man, what are your, what's your bold prediction? One bold prediction and also then what's your scoreline? Well, Kieran actually stole my bold prediction. The first thing you said, I was like, all right, Bears 100 rushing yards. I think they could do it. So I'll co-sign that. But I'm also going to give you another one. I think the Bears can get their first defensive touchdown, which is another thing that they have been sorely missing and is a huge ingredient for them winning football games. Um, They have not been able to do it. They make it happen against the defending champions. Does it lead to a win, however? I do not believe the Bears win this game. Um, the Bucks are just too good, and you know they are 
pissed about last season. Like that's an X factor that we haven't talked about really. They yeah. they have revenge on their mind. They're like, how the hell did we let this team beat us last year? So I think it will be very, very difficult for the Bears to win this game. Um, let's call it 17 points for the Bears and like 30 for the Bucks because they they can score points in a hurry and they're gonna want to score points in a hurry. Yeah, you're you're stealing my thunder a little bit there, my man. Uh, Brendan, next next on to you. Same question, ball uh, ball prediction and also scoreline. Well, I guess I can't say that Tom Brady's gonna forget the number of downs again as a full prediction. <laughs> what do you want to bet? It'd be funny, <laughs> right? What do you want to bet after he like throws a touchdown? Because it's probably gonna happen. He just holds up the four or something yeah. like that, man. Because yeah, that's definitely on his mind. We have not talked about that. So good point, Alex. My bold prediction. And we talked about him a little bit, and he's been getting roasted. But I think Eddie Jackson finds a way to get his hands on a ball. And I'll say why. After the Rams game, when he was just eviscerated for not touching down Van Jefferson, he did force the fumble against the Bengals, and he actually played really well in that game overall. Aside from the, I think it was the one Jamar Chase touchdown where he ran into the defender. But still, he in run defense, specifically when he's at the line, he has played well tackling, and I think he's going to hear the noise, and he's going to find a way, whether it's an interception or a fumble, he's going to find a way to get a turnover. So, you know what? And if it does happen, if Eddie Jackson specifically gets an interception on Tom Brady, I think I'm going to have to buy an Eddie Jackson jersey as my penance just to Ooh. say, like, all right, you know what, man? You, you shut me up, and, you know, you finally got that turnover. But, you know, hope, here's hoping because uh, it could help for a win. But it's not because I also am picking the Bucks, and my initial score was going to be 31-17. It feels like that, like, you know, 14-point swing that everybody's saying. So I, I feel like the Bucks are going to score 30 on them. Hmm. Ken, I'll finish with yourself. Can I get a one bowl prediction and then one scoreline, please? Oh, listen, my bowl prediction has almost been taken by the last two guys, and I was fearful. <laughs> Now, Karen has already took my score for the Bucks. I had him win 33, but this is my bold prediction. The Bears sack Tom Brady three times, and they get a fumble recovery, perhaps a fumble recovery to take him back to the house. And I was going to say that, but now I guess I should say perhaps it's Eddie Jackson that does it. Hey, Britton, I need a photo of you in that jersey, too. Just buying the jersey is enough. We need to see you walk around in that bad yeah. boy. All I right. promise I will. I made a bet last year. If Mike, if the bears lost to Jack, the Jaguars, I would buy a Mike Lennon Jersey and wear it. Um, I would much rather have, win this bet and have to buy an Eddie Jackson Jersey, but I will do it. All right. And yeah, uh, not, I'll say, go ahead. Go ahead for, we'll, we're going to, we're going to cut this a little bit. I'm going to make sure that that's all, that's all we cut. That definitely cut the show. Brennan, you're on, you're on, the, you're on the keep clock. Those Sorry. receipts. You got to keep those receipts. I actually, a part of me wants to go the Bears pull an upset because this has – because we're all going – we know they're going to lose, right? And it's like how many times have I thought this season like, oh, like I didn't think the Chargers were going to lose to Baltimore last week. You know, if you told me that, that the Baltimore with no running backs, even though I guess they don't need any, I wasn't expecting that. So anyway – I'm going to go with the Bucks 33 to pair 17. Thank you, Cat. <laughs> but I want to be I want to be wrong and I and I'll say this, I got one more prediction. One last prediction. 
Justin Fields, and this is this is a small prediction. It's not a big one. Justin Fields throws over two hundred yards this game because <laughs> he has to. That's my prediction. All right, I'm done. I'm 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 going to follow up on that. My bold prediction was I think the Bears are going to be winning at halftime. Um, I think the Bears will be up 17-14 at halftime. And I think the problem I have with the Chicago Bears offense, the biggest problem I have is the third quarter. It was all last year. Absolutely nearly every game last year in the third quarter, we couldn't perform. So we came out of the half and we just didn't do it. And we did it again last week. And we did it again against the Raiders. And we did, we've done it again earlier in the season. I think it, was, it might have been against the Bengals. I could be wrong. So I think we go off to a big start. I think people are like, oh, well, Bears are, Bears are going to do it. And then I just think Brady takes over and I think they... They kind of they clean it up. It's it's almost done before the start of the fourth, and it's come from the third quarter. So I mean, my ball prediction. They ended up something like thirty-five, seventeen, or something like that. And I think that the they just pull away. But at the first the first half, we performed quite well. So look, this has been absolutely fantastic. Um, it's been brilliant coming on. I hope everyone. I know loads of people are coming in on the, on the chats, and it's been brilliant to get involved with that. And make sure you, you you get involved with it as much as we possibly can. Uh, Ken and Alex, I'm going to start with you. Ken, can you just give us a feedback into to when we can listen to the Understand a podcast and where we can see and read some of your stuff you're still on mute my man you're muted you're you. still muted i'm still <laughs> muted right now <laughs> okay that's what to say man what's going on uh listen um you can always get us uh mondays that's me alex also listen you guys you have to bring you, you sat there i heard you guys talk about olin Cruz a couple of times i don't know if you watched the football after the show on nbc um, our guy, Eric Strobel, the third part of this group between me and Alex, is full of information. He's there with the, 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 the former Bears players getting information from them. Bring Eric on here, man. Eric is dope. So I'll, let me just put that out there. Um, you can find us on Mondays. That's me, Alex, and Eric, usually along with Tony Gill. On Wednesday shows, Adam Hogue joins us, our Bears insider, on Friday. Siafa Lewis from NBC Chicago, the lead anchor. He joins us on Fridays. You can find us on NBC Sports uh chicago.com you can also check out my show that david show also and i'll do it since i'm here and he's gonna do it anyway alex is writing a lot of articles right now everybody so make sure you go to the website and check out those articles he's doing a fantastic job also and now follow me at that's davis if you care to follow me alex as, as he's as kenneth so nicely said about your articles give us a quick out to the last the last couple you've been writing um well yesterday I did a NFL rookie QB report. So it's kind of cool that we were talking about the NFL rookies as a whole. Um, you can find me on NBCSportsChicago.com. Ken is right. I write a lot of articles because that's what they pay me to do. They pay me to write articles about the Bears and report on them. Um, today, I had to cover that Jalen Johnson post. Uh, I had to talk about it, I guess. And then I wrote another piece today about Tevin Jenkins and how he's not quite ready to get on the field yet, but how the Bears are still keeping him engaged. I had a really nice conversation with um, the offensive line coach, Juan Castillo, where he explained the things that they're doing to try and develop him as much as they can off the field. They had him doing some pretty funny stuff, some like kind of rookie stuff. And then also how Jason Peters has been very helpful, not only with Tevin Jenkins, but with Larry Borum and some of the younger guys. Um, so that was, you know, in terms of, you know, not hard news pieces, I, I kind of uh, thought that was a neat story. So you can find all that stuff on NBC Sports Chicago you can also listen to me, as many people have said, on the Under Center podcast. And I will co-sign getting Strobes on here. Got to get our dude Strobes. He is in the weeds with those dudes. 
Um, and I cannot wait. I mean, we were talking about the football after show a little bit, and we were talking about the Eddie Jackson clapping back at uh, Lance Briggs. Little tease. Apparently, Lance Briggs is preparing a statement for the football after show. So, I mean, I, I don't know what he's going to say. I don't know if Strobes knows what he's going to say, but it's going to be something. So definitely get Strobes on here because uh, he produces a wonderful show with some Bears legends, to be honest. He is invited whenever he wants to come onto this show, absolutely anytime. So make sure you pass on to that. He hope he may even try to understand what we're saying as well. So it makes it even better for him. Make sure he gets he gets on he gets onto all of this. Brendan, I must admit, I love listening to you on the Bear Down Report at some of our, some of the games. It's been great fun with my good friend Ryan Dangle on it as well. So it's been great to have, have you guys on that. But where else other than the Bear Down Report can we uh, can we read and see some of your stuff? Yeah, for sure. So uh, as you said, uh, check us out on the Bear Down Report. Uh, we do a weekly podcast post game. Uh, it's a lot of fun. Been doing it with, of course, as you said, Ryan Dangle, Jack Wright, and uh, Logan Bradley, but also Patrick Sheldon, who writes um, with Fansided. So definitely check us out. But uh, you can also find my articles at bearswire.com. And then I also contribute to uh, the Midway Minute. Uh, so Kevin Kadick's uh, daily newsletter uh, definitely subscribe, sign up. It comes to your mailbox every day. Uh, it's not just Chicago or it's not just the bears. Um, I do bears writing for it, but it's all Chicago sports and, uh, it's a great just daily digest for you. So, uh, yeah, that's, that's, uh, where you can find me pretty much every day. I'm putting something out either on bears wire or midway minute, or, uh, like I said, our podcast. Yeah, look, it's been absolutely fantastic. You guys being on, obviously, as well. Obviously, the two lads, Noel and Kieran, as well. It's been brilliant to have you guys on. I think we're back on Sunday, straight after the game, um, myself and Noel, and I think I think Corey's going to join us as well. So the three of us are going to dissect what hopefully is some sort of unbelievable performance from the Chicago Bears and gets gets a win. Um, make sure everyone joins joins and follows us on YouTube and follows us on Twitter and get involved with the show. It's been an absolute pleasure being involved with the show and myself and Kieran. And when Kieran started it up, way, way back, it was a small little thing that a couple of Irish people were talking about. But now we've got some sensational guests like we had today with, with guys from the NBC and from, from Brendan and people like that. So and, and also, what's more important, they didn't just do the show once. They've actually come back. So that means they actually, you know, one, understand what we're saying and two, think we must be doing something all right. Uh, so again, thanks very much. Thanks very much to you guys. Thanks very much to everyone that's listening, contributed on the on the on the chat as well. So just before we go, in in the in old fashioned Irish bear show away, we're gonna give an old bear down. So in one, two, three, can they get a bear down? One, two, three, bear down. Bear down. Bear down. Bear down.